That, that's how you know you're alive. <laughs> yeah, if you don't hear that, you have a problem. I don't remember when was the first time I heard about Second City, but some of my favorite comedians came out of there. Um, I mean, you've noticed that I have a Ghostbuster shirt on, yeah. and this character is based off of uh, Harold Ramis, yeah. Yeah. my favorite Ghostbuster. Oh, yeah. I'm officially a Ghostbuster. I don't know if they know I'm official. I'm official Ghostbuster or not, but I have the whole thing, like the suit, the proton pack. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I have that little card that came with the you know kids proton pack back in the 80s. Yeah. Yes. Still have it. Um, so since then, I, I was like an official Ghostbuster. I used to have the backpack as well. Yeah, I don't and have the slide. I had the slidey thing too. Yeah. <laughs> now the the uh, the trap. I mean, it was just amazing. But a lot of a lot of you know great comedians came from there. Mm-hmm. What makes it so special? Man, that's a loaded question, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess like why? I guess we can ask like answer why we love it there. Maybe yeah. that can help. Because I think that'll shed question. some light on yeah. other people have probably had similar experiences. You know? Yeah. Oh, I have to go first. Oh yeah, that because you started oh, okay, it. Yeah, great. Um, I really like being in a building where people are have like this similar mindset or similar like types of comedy. And just know that we are in the same space creating new things and uh, blazing trails for um, for comedy, for the world. I guess I like just being in the building. There's a great energy in the building. And I, Andrew will tell you this too, but I met some of my best friends in that building too. So it's just like, it it feels a lot like home sometimes, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, like you said too, Mo, like I was, I've been telling the people in our class in our workshops too, like I, uh, my wedding last year, I had my wife I met in the building at Second City and all five of my groomsmen I also met through Second City. So kind of like Mo said, I think it's just nice to meet like-minded people. Also like, you know, when you get to create comedy together, I think that's a pretty special bond for sure, right? And it also kind of just breeds good people for the most part, I feel like. Yeah, I don't know how that happens exactly. I think we're all a little bit mystified that you can walk into this building and people really do come from all over the world and they come for a wide variety of reasons. So no one walks in I think expecting to stay forever, but I've been there for 15 years now. Mm. And there's something about walking in and every day just going up the escalator. You're like, I've seen five people that I adore. I've laughed twice and I've surprised myself by doing something I didn't think I was capable of doing. And I've watched other people surprise themselves. And I think there's something about all of those elements that is really rewarding and addicting and just like Mo and Andrew said, it brings people together and you want to stay forever. I still remember the first time when I went to class for, we have an orientation for new students. Mm -hmm. And I remember I went to the orientation and they were about to do, we were going on the tour of the building. I remember taking the escalator and on the left side of the escalator, you look and there's just amazing pictures on it. So you see like John Candy when he's super young, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara. There's a picture of Gilda Radner up there. And it's like, I remember taking that escalator ride and being like, wow, this place is awesome. Look at all this, all this talent up here on the wall, the people that I've grown up watching. And then just, what was that, two weeks ago? We were doing the orientation for the new students now, and I was taking them on a tour. And that, I don't know, that was kind of a cool moment where I was like, wow, you know, I've been here for 12 years now. And now, like, I'm in a place to where, like, I was really in awe when I came in the building. And I think the fact that I can still feel that way after a dozen years, 
I mean, something's pretty special about that, you know? Yeah. I think something about standing in like the footsteps of other people who have done such great things comedically gives you almost like the power that, or the idea that you can do the same thing that they did. Kind of like in Harry Potter when he made his apprentice because he knew he already did it before. It's like, well, if Gilda Radner was here and like left this legacy, then maybe I can do the same thing with my comedy too. I mean, exactly. I, I, I can totally relate to what you guys are saying. That was how I felt when I, when I went like to uh, Sesame Street for the yes. first time. And just being in the same space where everybody else mm-hmm. has been. And it's, it's like, as you guys said, these are people I grew up with. And then you have, well, in my case, Mr. Snopalabagas become your mentor. Yeah. You know, yes. and, and he teaches you how to become a Muppeteer, quote unquote. And it's it it takes a while. It takes a while where you're still in awe. You still can't believe it. But then as soon as work kicks in, sorry, as soon as work kicks in, you kind of forget that. And it it's, it's just work, you know? Well, and I think something uh, Sesame Street has done that Second City also does when it's at its best is it has this rich legacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you said, people love it. People know it. And then it also has to move forward to say, who are the current audiences? Who are our current artists? And how do we use this legacy, but actually still move forward and still come forward? And I think that's also why it's such a dynamic place is that you're like, wait, Gilda Radner, Gilda Radner is here, but also who's right next to me? Like what's mm-hmm. happening right next door to me? And I think sometimes to be in a room just watching really dynamic work is so exciting. And and as you guys said, the atmosphere and like just the attitude of the people, you know, it's 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 different. It's like you walk in there, it's like in 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 my case, everybody's helpful. Everybody has a smile on their face. Everybody's, you know, giving you pointers and helping you out and and they know you you, you know who they are and where they are. Hmm. So, in a sense where they they know what this means to everybody. And then as soon and as soon as we became, you know, uh, Muppet performers. They told us, it's like, now you're obligated. It's like, you can never tell anybody no. You have to put on a show for everybody who comes in. You have to, you know, the kind of respect the character you have and the power you have on people. So, and I think, you know, when, when it comes to making people happy, whether it's you're, you're a puppeteer or you're a comedian, at the end of the day, you're making people happy. And I mean, that that's just worth it. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's just worth it at the end of the day. And I think... You know, being part of a big legacy puts that extra burden on you that, oh, I have to be on that level. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, makes a place like this special. Yeah, I agree. I love love hearing that it's like, hey, when you take on this role, you represent something bigger than you. We got excited just hearing you do Cookie Monster for the (laughs) smallest (laughs) amount of time. But that's a gift that Mm -hmm. you can give someone. And I think there's something about not just Second City, but the art form of improvisation, where you literally learn that everything that someone gives you is a gift and every moment that you get to share with someone is a gift. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's part of what brings us coming back to it and what makes us all connect no matter what language we speak or where we are in the world. I think too, it's pretty interesting. Like, Second City, we really do practice what we preach. And like, here's an example is like, you know, we in improv workshops and classes, we're always talking about celebrate one another's success in the building. 
that's how it is. In the Chicago comedy scene, that's how it is. Everyone celebrates everyone's success, which is amazing to me because you'll be in a casting director's office and you'll be sitting on a bench waiting for your turn to go in there. You're looking at someone who's going for the exact same role as you. And when you stand up to walk in the room with the casting director, nine out of 10 times you hear, good luck, break a leg. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty special because I think that's a lot of times in the acting world, it's quite the opposite. But something about the Chicago comedy scene, it's like we want each other to get the gigs, you know, like it's it, it's almost like a small win for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's weird if you are someone who doesn't want that for someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What are you from L.A. or yeah. something? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's totally true. I've seen that in like the voice acting community. I've seen it in the puppetry community. Acting is different. But it's it's everybody's like you, sometimes I get a job or like a job offer and I'm like, you know what? Such and such is better at this. I think he can do it better. You should go talk to him. And and it's you can't help it because at the end of the day, you know the standard you need to work in. And you want the best for the job itself. And you want the best for the people who, are, who will experience this. And you are never devastated that you didn't get something. Well, you kind of, you know, if you really want something <laughs> and you don't get it, you, you're kind of devastated. But you know that there's another job. You know that there's something that's meant for you. And you know your skills and abilities sometimes where, you know what, this will be better with these people instead of that person. And uh, this episode will be better if we start recording. Yes, we did start recording. And before we continue, I would like to tell you about our sponsor, Vibes Offices, one of the best places in the kingdom to uh, have a shared office. And of course, it was our house and our place since 2019. And if you're a business owner and you're looking for a place that would allow you to grow your business, find like-minded people and be better at what you do, you can come and give Vibes a try. And you can visit them to know more at www.vibesoffices.com. Or you can follow them on their social media accounts at Vibes Offices. I'm Amar. I'm Mo. I'm Andrew. And I'm Jess. Welcome, guys. Can you give our audience a little bit about who you are? Okay, I have to go first again. Okay, right. um, you're, you're in the number one <laughs> spot here. Yeah. Oh, no. uh, my name is Mo Phillips Botts. Uh, I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia, but now I live in Chicago. I am an actor writer, director, um, teacher of improv and comedy. Um, I enjoy reading and The Great British Bake Off. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> uh, my name is Andrew McCammon. I also uh, I teach at the training center at Second City, a director in the training center, uh, improviser, actor. I, I, writing is my main background. I also uh, do some game show hosting as well on a cruise ship. And uh, I see, I also like the Great British Bake Off. Uh, also like uh, moving to the, what was the countryside show? The moving to the British countryside. That's another British uh, show that I like. Yeah, you should check that out. It's very peaceful. (laughs) Hi, my name is uh, Jessica Mitlow, and I'm the Associate Artistic Director at Second City. I'm also, I started as a faculty member. I directed one of Second City's national touring companies, uh, and I work for Second City Works, so I really have my uh, fingers all over the company and business. I've been in Chicago for about 18 years and at Second City for 15. I also love the great British baking show because I'm not a monster. (laughs) 
and I have a little Dalmatian puppy uh, that I miss very much. Well, now I need to watch that show. I feel like left out. Oh, yeah. Um, a new season is just dropped, so... Okay. It's, it's a good time. No, I'll check it out. So for the people who don't know anything about Second City, can, how can, what's the best way to explain what it is? Wow. Got it. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, Second City is a comedy uh, theater. It specializes in improv comedy and sketch comedy. So improvisation is getting a suggestion and making up something totally off the top of your head. Uh, our work is grounded in the work of like Viola Spolin. So really using games to make something from nothing and using an ensemble of people to do that together. What Second City does and what we're known for additionally is then taking that improv, using uh, re-improvisation and working with a group of people to take that improvise scene and turn it into a sketch. And we do that in a very specific way, which is testing it in front of the audience, seeing what works, and then doing it over and over and over again until we have a finalized, polished script. So we're really known for testing work, acting it out, and then using our writer brains to kind of like keep improvising. So it's this great mix of acting, thinking off the top of your head, working together, being a writer, and then putting up these pretty incredible shows. So it's it's like a company and also like like an academy of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like a comedy college. <laughs> the Harvard of comedy. Yeah, if, that's, if you if, will. Yeah, I also went to the Harvard of the South at UNCA, so they love to just throw that term around. Don't they? <laughs> <laughs> and um, okay, so since so you guys you all live in Chicago. Mm -hmm. We do. Yeah. What's the deal with the deep dish pizza? Okay. Hey. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so let me go ahead and jump on this. So I. I there's a, a lot of times you'll talk to people from Chicago and they're like, we don't actually eat deep dish in Chicago. That's, that's garbage. I eat deep dish all the time. I love it. And I have different deep dishes for different moods. All right. Okay. So I'm a Pequod's boy when it comes to, uh, if I'm, if I want meat on a pizza, cause their sausage is second to none. Also, they have a, uh, what they do is they put cheese on the outside of the crust before they cook it. Okay. So it comes out as like this burnt, like halo of an angel. <laughs> And you can get right after that. It's delicious. But if I'm looking for something a little more delicate, I'll go for the Lumanati's the Lou because that has a butter crust. It also has cheddar cheese, a number of other cheeses, sauteed spinach, roasted tomatoes. So you get your vegetables. And there's a salad called the Lou, which is essentially a garbage salad, which is if you don't know what a garbage salad is, go to Chicago. Uh, and it just has a bunch of fried salami and blue cheese all over it. So... I'm I'm pro deep dish. I, technically, Chicago style pizza is tavern style, which is a thin crust pizza cut into squares. I know it's not what you want to hear, <laughs> but that is the truth. It's but true. somehow we are known for our deep dish pizza. But technically, it just happens to be what we're known for. But it's not really our pizza, apparently. So. You call it tavern style? That's what they call it. I call it party style. pizza. Well, yeah, that works too. Yeah, like Home Run In is a popular mm. Chicago style mm -hmm. pizza. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Butter crust. I was I was surprised the first time. I visited Chicago, I think, twice. And um, it was like, where's the cheese? It's <laughs> under know? the sauce. And, and then you realize that the cheese was under the sauce. Mm. Yeah. It was like, that's... why? Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I mean, my, I mean, my, personally, my favorite pizzas are like, I don't know if you can call them pizza, but it's like New York style pizza. I like that. I do. Um, I, I like that. New York style yeah, pizza. I like the big slice and you fold it in half and you start eating it yes. and on the street. Yeah. Um, like $1.25. On a paper yeah. plate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It's like, uh, it's not even paper. I don't know. It's like, it's just some material that looks like paper. It it's doesn't just, even hold anything. It's soaking up the grease. You exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it's there uh-huh. for. But it's like, I mean, you know, different cultures do things, you know, differently, definitely. I mean, just with pizza, I mean, we can talk for like hours. Um, <laughs> this is a podcast about pizza, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, well I wish. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I mean, there is like a lot of differences and cultural differences between, you know, different people, like even in, in the States. But how did you see like that difference here when you came in? in Saudi and started working with Saudi comedians. It's like with these workshops, what like what surprised you the most after working with these people? Yeah, everyone was just so excited. Mm. I think sometimes, uh, especially in Chicago, you know, a lot of people have heard of an improv class or we have gone in and they've done some kind of work activity where someone did an improv exercise. So everyone has all these preconceived notions about what they're going to do. I felt like coming here, there was kind of no expectation, which allowed us to move really quickly. Everyone is so excited and open-minded and up for anything. I would say we've been rocketing through things like really quickly, twice as fast. And the idea of like supporting one another, everyone's like, okay, great. And so the level of enthusiasm that we've seen has just been pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. I feel there's quite a few similarities to what I've noticed here as like compared to what I noticed when I moved to Chicago. So like you're talking about just like, just like the energy of the comedians. I remember when I moved to Chicago and you know, you two are the same way you go there, you just start grinding. You know, we, we do bar prov in Chicago when we're coming up where you're just in the back of a dirty bar (laughs) and you're performing on a floor in front of nobody right but i feel like everybody was always super excited to do that and there's something about it here too where it feels very similar people are just jazzed yeah i was thinking um yes and (laughs) but yeah the idea that like we so we left uh riyadh and they're already planning like a twice or once a month like get together and i remember when i first started improv how just excited i was to try everything and do everything and so i feel like if we came back there in like a year or so to see what they've accomplished, I'm really excited to see how they have grown in that time. So Yeah, because, because, you know, comedy is different because we come from a culture that's kind of views comedy as something disrespectful when you do it to people. Mm. So for me, like growing up as a, you know, smart ass, uh, kind of funny kid, I was always chastised because, you know, I do it with grownups and I do it with friends and it's like, that's not respectable. It's like, why are you doing this to yourself? And, you know, and when you make fun of yourself because you because you want to make people laugh, they see it as you're, you know, degrading yourself. Mm. And it never dawned on me that this was something that I was supposed to do, you know, professionally until I actually did it. And then suddenly people were praising it. It's like, ooh, that's funny. You know, how do you get these ideas? It's like, well, I've been doing it all my life and you've been telling me to stop, you know? But it just was, you know, the the, the wrong let's say, place for it. You know, it's not something that you would do with, you know, let's say maybe a family or, you know, out somewhere, but it's like, it's on a TV, you know, it's on a stage, it's it's in a club. That's where you're supposed to do it. And that was like the uh aha moment. So is is this something that you guys have gone through, like growing up, 
discovering that you're you have that comedian side and was it was it as i don't know it was, it was difficult for me growing up but was it you know difficult for you or was it more accepted No, I always say my family almost ruined me for comedy because they taught me that if you do it once, it's funny. If you do it twice, it's funny. But if you do it three times, it is no longer funny. And I was like, mom, dad, comedy rule of three. <laughs> You're lucky I persevered. Uh, so we were always, you know, I think my dad really loved comedy growing up, but I actually came to this work as a theater person. So when I came to Second City, I uh, I loved the comedy, but I was actually really attracted to it just being the most dynamic and exciting theater I was seeing in the city. I would watch a play for two and a half hours. And when I saw a sketch at Second City, I was like, how'd you do what that play did in two and a half hours in two and a half minutes? And that really lit me up. So I think that, and then the idea of the same thing, instead of taking two and a half hours to make someone cry, I was like, wait, you had me laughing and laughing and laughing. And then I started to cry. Um, so that was really my background was more of a dramatic actor who then was like, oh, wait, this is way more fun and really a lot more interesting uh, as a way to talk about the things I care about. Mm. Yeah, I was a, I was a musician before I got into comedy. And You know, like growing up as a teenager, I think I was never good at sports. You know, I was not the biggest kid, so I needed some sort of a defense mechanism. <laughs> so <laughs> comedy kind of worked out for me. I was always kind of a goofball. And then when it came down to it, you know, I think also I got into just sketch comedy in particular because, you know, I, I was born in 85. So growing up in the 90s, there were so many amazing sketch shows Like that was almost like a, oh, yeah. a very popular <laughs> type of entertainment in the 90s. So I think like I was kind of in the sweet spot to where I grew up watching different decades of SNL. I also grew up watching The State, Upright Citizens Brigade, Kids in the Hall, you know? And so like have being surrounded by that all the time, I think like made it seem like it was available to some degree. And then I think once I found out about Second City, I was like, okay, well, it's time to go try improv now because I was into sketch and improv really kind of took off for me. It was just in a way that it made me excited. It was something I'd never experienced before. I was never in theater uh, except for I was in a, a play about the Wright brothers in fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, I, I'd never acted until I was you know, in college and in a sketch troupe. I come from a theater and dance background, so very strict. These are the rules. We do this, then we do this, only this way. Um, and I took an improv class at this theater program my junior year of college with some guys from UCB, and it was terrifying to to play something with like very few rules. And then post-college, I had another theater fellowship, and we took an improv class with uh, Atlanta troupe from Dad's Garage, and I crushed um i was so good but i was always the kid like in theater who like made things funny as a first choice and then like would have to be told no no that <laughs> their motivations are different they're actually really sad and i was like oh, okay so my brother got into law school and i said well i can move to chicago for my law school and go do comedy so i moved uh up north uh from atlanta to chicago to start doing improv um yeah that's Yeah, my parents <laughs> were accepting, I guess. Um, I majored in theater, but I couldn't just major in theater. I had to double major. And so I double majored. And then in 2016, I did a directing show. I was in the show. My mom came and saw it. And she was like, 
Morgan, because I'm Morgan technically to my mother. She's like, Morgan, that was better than 90s SNL. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it's a big compliment. That's high praise. It's, uh, right? oh, yeah. it's a big, wow. it's a big, it's a big praise. Yeah. So after that, they were, they were on board completely. So. Yeah. No, it's like, for, for me, it's like, I come from a family of, of like educators and they're all like college professors mm-hmm. and PhDs, yep. yeah, me too. Same. you know, mm-hmm. and it's hard to be like the goofball of the family when yeah. everybody else and your brothers is like, this guy's a manager, this guy's like in a procurement, this, you know, and, and you're just a guy who just want to make people laugh. But yeah. like my, my biggest thing is like, it, it just took me a while to accept it because I was trying to be like everybody else. And it's like, I'm the middle child. So I was like, I'm already like messed up. So, and I'm always, com- was compared to my older brother who was like, well put together, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've been, tr- for years, I've been trying to be like him. And suddenly I discovered it's like, well, it's like, nobody's happy. I'm not happy. Uh, I can't really do it. Might as well just do what I do. And from that point on, I shifted. It's like, okay, so I make people feel good. I'm not going to be like the considerate person who knows what my parents want before they even say it. But I know if you're hurting, I can make it happen, like make it better. Yeah. And I think the first time I, I, I really saw that difference after I started to apply this. It's like my, my mom, she, at, at one point she fell and broke her hip and then she had, you know, a hip replacement. So she was at the hospital and my brothers and I were, you know, taking turns staying with her for, you know, a few days until she got, got out of the hospital. So my older brother was there and she was like, okay, she's, you know, in, in the hospital, he's making sure she's comfortable and everything. When it was my turn and I walked into the room, her attitude changed. Mm. I felt like she was lighter. I felt she was like happier. She wasn't complaining as much, you know, with the pain because, you know, in walks the clown, (laughs) you know, and it's like, okay, so my job is just to make her happy, make her feel good, make her forget the pain and work to my strengths, you know? And it's just fascinating when you kind of discover that, when you kind of discover and I just accept who you are. Um, uh, you know, as a person. And that's when you start even attracting the right people around you. And I think that happens like in your, you know, line of work and in Second City because you're just attracting, you know, the same yeah. minded people who appreciate this. And then that, and when, when you're happy with yourself, that just oozes the right energy. I think so too. One of the first exercises that we do, we just have, uh, we just have the students pass a box back and forth and they just keep adding to what ridiculous thing is in this box. And at the end, we're like, what What made this fun? And so often it's not the specific details that the partner adds. It's having a partner who's smiling, a partner who is nodding, a partner who was like, oh yeah, that was really good. Let me like add on. Oh yeah, this is, is this like more of what you were saying? And I think so much of what we do is teaching people that skill. Because you're right, when you have that skill, you can walk into any space and be like, I'm I'm here, what do you need me to do? Mm-hmm. Rather than being worried about all of those details. If you bring a lightness into you, you, you kind of like attract a lightness in other people, which is really cool. Yeah. I no. also think it's been so interesting too. Like you see it, we've seen it in these workshops and you see it back in the States too. I guess we've just been doing it so much here and since we've gotten over here in Saudi Arabia, but you have people who are come up to you and they'd be like, you know, I never thought I'd do anything like this Num- for a number of reasons. Right. Like, and, and just to be able to see them and like, say like, this is something that like, I can really open up. This is something that like, it's making me learn new skills, but it's also helping me be creative. And like, for, like we had people straight up tell us that it's changed their lives like last week. Right. Like to hear that, 
that's amazing. You know, like I feel like that's, it makes me feel like I have uh, more worth (laughs) in the world, you know, which I think like a lot of times as performers, we might not feel that way. So I think like it's, it is very rewarding in that sense when you conceive like that, what, what has made such an impact on us and our lives, we're now passing that on too. And that Mm -hmm. feels really good, especially when people are not even doing it to be performers, they're just doing it to enrich their lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. I was thinking when I moved Graduated school, moved back to Atlanta. I was like really sad to the point where like I was like lashing at my parents. I was miserable. And then I moved to Chicago and my friend called me and she was like, I can tell in your voice that you're a lot happier now than you were when you moved at home. She just told just by talking to me that I like was like changed from living what I was doing before. So I don't know. It's just it is kind of like coming in to my own, accepting that this is what I was meant to do and just living my truth. Yeah. Yeah. And being confident in moment to moment, being like, what is it that I feel um, having a space where you can go? Like you said, as soon as you're a kid, you learn what's right and what's wrong and how you should or shouldn't behave in a certain space. And I think providing like four walls to be like, hey, we're going to slowly let down those guards that you have built in order to survive. You might have to put them back up when you walk out again. But a lot of people just put those walls up and they forget that they were ever not there. Mm -hmm. I think having people be like, okay, here's how you let them down. And now you can put them back up is so huge for so many people who are like, no, I thought I was just unhappy. Um, I mean, like, no, 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 you're fun. I promise everyone is fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and this is something I've, I've learned from what happened with me and I tried not to apply with my kids. And I've noticed I have a boy, girl, boy, and, my daughter being the middle child like me, and she's the comedian like me, and she's so funny. And, and I never wanted her to go through what I went through. Mm-hmm. Just because like my parents, it's like, it's not the environment they grew up in. It's not like that they were bad or anything. It was just like, they raised me the way they knew how to do. And for me, it's like being someone who loves comedy. It's like, okay, I see that in you. It's like, you can do whatever you want. With me, it's like, and I, exactly the same thing that you said. It's like when you go up, there's these walls you have to put up. So you can't do this with anybody. But at least for now, you can do it with me at home. You know, make fun of me, make jokes, as long as it's funny. That was my only rule. <laughs> if it was not funny and disrespectful, you, you're going to be punished. But if it's funny and disrespectful, I don't care, as long as it's funny. <laughs> you know? And um, Those are that's pretty high. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, of course, I, yeah, her mom doesn't like it. One time we went to, um, I think, Chili's or something. And... I sat down and my daughter was going to sit right across of me. And her mom was like, no, no, I'm sitting here. You go sit there. Or no, sorry. I was telling her, I was telling her, your mom is going to sit here, you know, sit next to her. So her mom sits down, she puts her hand on her mom's shoulder and she's like, I'm really sorry that you're going to have to face this all night. <gasps> That's a very <laughs> funny joke. I was on the floor. Yeah. And my wife was like, what are you laughing about? That's, you don't, you don't say this to your dad. It's like, what is this? And I was like, I'm sorry. That's funny. That's, it's on the fly. She's a good roaster. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's like just changing that environment, trying to allow her to be herself and you know, and we have these, you know, threads of jokes coming back and forth, sending each other, you know, memes and stuff. Now it's different. She's like 17 and I've become, you know, the, you know, the awkward dad sending dad jokes and stuff. It was funnier when she was younger. Now, <laughs> not, not, not that funny. But um, she has her own style of comedy. Did you guys notice that, like, at least people that you were training here, they had a different style of comedy than the States? 
I see a lot of the same stuff, which I think is, I mean, obviously everything, everybody does their own, has their own spin on stuff, but I see a lot of similarities, which I think. Yeah. Cause we try to focus on the relationship. So not necessarily on other things. So we definitely see like the same, like mother, son or parent child, but just through like the cultural lens of like being in, um, in Saudi Arabia, but like, because we, we have them doing scenes in Arabic now. And so we're, Sometimes we have a translator. Sometimes one of us is just sitting watching. We still kind of tell what we can tell yeah. what's going on mm-hmm. just with the emotions, the beat they hit. We're like, okay, I know exactly what happened just by the way they express themselves without even understanding it. So I think like that kind of comedy, the way that we approach it is like, is very universal and it can, can be understood by many people. I agree with that. Yeah. I think like, you know, it's, it is fun. Like most said, you, you're, you're watching a game that these folks have just learned and they're doing it in a language where, you know, I know zero of it. Right. But just by body language, emotion and how they look at one another, you can tell who they are to one another. And I think like we're connecting with it, even though we aren't able to understand it completely. I think that's, I mean, that's amazing to me. Mm Yeah, I mean, I guess at, at the end of the day, funny is funny. Um, but you you notice that there's, I mean, because I grew up with both cultures. I mean, I was introduced to comedy through like Bugs Bunny and and you know that type of cartoons. But at the same time, a lot of it doesn't apply here. So even when you try to do jokes, sometimes like dark comedy, mm-hmm. not everybody gets it. They feel like you're sick, <laughs> you know. But it's like dark comedy, black comedy is like some of the best type of comedy. I I mean, for me personally. And it's not something that you kind of feel like you can do with anybody. And so you kind of like need to ease it in so people can understand it more. Totally. Well, and Mo was saying that we really had teach at Second City, we're really like relationship based comedy. So I play a character, Mo plays a character. And because we're these two characters, now all of a sudden we're revealing things that we think and feel every day, but we're playing a character. So it's okay. Um, so I think. Something that has been really fun is allowing people to push and use emotion to create characters. So now you're seeing people start to play like that angry dad. And it's like, oh, that's very funny and very universal and can get a little dark. Mm -hmm. But we really teach like, yeah, how do you build a person? And then you can do everything through that character. It's not just about saying something funny. It's about stepping into someone else and allowing that to be kind of the vehicle for comedy. And we teach that a lot because so often if all you're stressed out about is saying something funny, it's just not going to support you very much. Yeah. So we've been like, okay, you said something funny, but where was the character? Okay, what was the emotion? All right, you're standing still. Can you move around? Can you have that little like Bugs Bunny physical comedy? And then if you're layering all of those things on top of each other, you're like, well, now even if something, even if someone doesn't get what you said, you were hitting them in all these different ways. Yeah, that makes sense. Because people don't who who know nothing about comedy or very little about comedy, they don't know how hard it is. Mm. It's so hard. That's so yeah. true. It's a different That's sense so of humor. True. Yeah, you know, it's just just to make people to get that emotion from people, that reaction of laughter, which is it's it's not something that you can can fake. It's it's it just comes naturally. But to hit it on the nail. Uh, you know, and 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 make people laugh. It's not something easy, and I think there's a lot that goes into it. Even yeah. even though it seems like with, with improv and just being you know being funny, you know, on a whim, it, it it that's years and years of you know 
bombing. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You, Even you gotta if it's, earn your stripes. Oh, oh yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. It's like telling jokes and getting no reaction is like, hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. And then just sticking with it and, and trying it again in a different way uh, up until it, you know, it, it sticks. And, and then you know, it's like, okay, so I can do it this way. I can do it that way. But I've, I've noticed that it's, it's also you and your energy. It's like, it's not what you said. It's how you said it. It's not what you did and how, how you did it and what you were feeling and what we were, even intentions. I think it's, it's, it's different when you're trying to make somebody laugh or really trying to, uh, insult someone. There's yeah. big difference. <laughs> big difference. <laughs> I think about too because um, when I improvise sometimes or like pre-pandemic, I would worry so much about what the audience thought, how I was telling jokes, and it was the moments where I just reacted as myself that got the biggest laughs. So I had to go back and be like, okay, great. How do I make this bring this closer to self so I can bring the funny and not worry about um, if they if they think it's funny. It, it's more about am I being authentically me or, or this character right now. I think relating with the audience is one of my favorite things too. So I always say like me being a comedian, laughter is the lifeblood of existence. But what means even more to me is when I look out in the audience and I see a woman take her elbow and dig it in her husband's chest <laughs> and goes, and then she mouths, you do the same thing, <laughs> right? Like that to me is relatable. that's yeah. worth mm-hmm. more than gold, you know, because it's like then not only are they laughing, but we're all connected on the same thing. Also, it's like you clearly see part of your life up here on this stage right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes the best comedy seeing yourself up there yeah i mean just having comedians say the stuff that you you didn't know you feel mm-hmm. maybe you don't have the courage to say or maybe you just don't know how to say it and sometimes we we just go through the motions and it really takes you know a comedy act to put it all in perspective yeah yeah you're saying uh people don't understand how hard it is i think they also don't understand how smart a comedian has to be or when you're asked to go on stage and do something funny, how you have to kind of draw on everything you've ever learned. Um, You were saying you have a background in architecture. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. I think one of the things that has made all of these workshops so dynamic is that people have full day jobs before they come to our workshop. So when they come in, they're not thinking, here are the jokes I've been preparing all day. They're like, I'm so tired. (laughs) I was with my family. I have a boss. I had a coworker who asked me to lunch that I didn't want to go to, and they bring all of that to the stage, which is so fun and dynamic. And it's really cool to see the three of us when we came here, you know, we all have very different backgrounds and very different ways of approaching the work, which I think is really fun because we can go into a room of 30 people and you can kind of be like, oh, I'm a little... I'm a little more like Mo as a performer. Like, okay, Jessica kind of made me laugh right now. Um, so it's fun to see everyone bring such a different life experience to the work and be like, oh no, everyone belongs here. Everyone's making the most out of it. Well, speaking of coming here, what really pushed you to, you know, come on this journey to Saudi? Oh, I mean, how could we say no? Yeah. <laughs> I think all of us, all three of us love to travel. I think that's a, a constant, that's a tenant in all of our lives is we want to travel. And I think that's lovely. Also, we all love this work. Mm-hmm. So to be able to travel and share what we have devoted our lives to is pretty awesome. Also, like I've known these two folks for a number of years, but like... I, 
being able to like be with you two for two weeks is like, Mm -hmm. I feel like we're even closer now. And that's been amazing. I think too, that's just part of it, right? Like now we're closer. We'll continue to work together, obviously. And now we have this super special bond, but yeah, I think any chance I can get personally, like I'll go anywhere, (laughs) you know? So you just get me, get me on a trip, on a trip. (laughs) I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, the same when you got the email being like, check avail, Saudi Arabia. I was like, I called my mom. She goes, so you're going. And I was like, oh, yeah, yep. I wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah, I am going to go and and teach improv in another country. Honestly, like being able to, yeah, it is what you said, like share something I love so much with like other people in the world is the coolest thing. And now it's like what I want to do forever. I just want to keep traveling and and teaching improv and doing all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I asked uh, three friends, uh, because I've been to Jordan and I've been to Lebanon, but I'd never been to Saudi Arabia. And I asked three friends, I was like, I'm going to go. Am I going to like it? And every single one of them was like, you're going to have the best time you've ever had. And I was like, okay, book me. Mm -hmm. This is the most welcoming country I've ever visited. Yes. Hands down. Okay. Hands down. I'm I'm proud of us. <laughs> Everyone's proud of this country. I think that's beautiful, right? Like there's something about this country where every and we've been to Riyadh, we've been here in Jeddah and to to see people who are so excited to show us what there is here. I think that's it's really special. There's there's a lot of culture, there's a lot of personality, there's a lot of you know, different experiences. And for the longest time, the majority of the people here were, uh, you know, okay, we've, we, we travel, we visit, we stuff, but we never really had an international voice. You know, every, we, like we were just busy, you know, living. And within the past 10 years, everything just started open, opening up. And it really helped the world get to see who we are and get to know who we are. And and these type of programs are amazing because it gets more and more people, you know, experienced, like it gets more people experience, get to get to experience what this country is and what the, who these people are. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the reasons why I even do this, you know, as a show, it's like, it's, it's a great way to get people who don't live here to get to know people from here. Yeah. We've been doing it in Arabic for so long, but we just started recently, you know, dabbing into, you know, making English shows just so that even non-Arabic speakers can, you know, can can learn from it. And it is just about meeting other people and getting 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 to know these people and then, you know, learning from in, in, in the process. So what are, what are the things that you felt that you've learned from this experience? Well, I think we we always get that question of like, what did you think about Saudi Arabia before you came here? And I think we, I only knew like what was in the news. And so it's been really great to just experience like the culture of Saudi Arabia because I had no idea what that meant. Well, Fox so, News? Yeah, Fox <laughs> News, you know, from the 90s, like it, whatever. We just didn't know. And so it's just like experiencing the culture and the people it has just been like so wonderful just to like get that firsthand experience. And then now we can like bring this back to the stage and be like, no you really need to go if you get a chance, like you should come over here uh, and meet this wonderful place. Yeah. I mean, we were, you know, in, in Riyadh, we were invited into someone's home and mm-hmm. like we had dinner there that would for family recipes and we met their family. You know, that's, that's amazing to know someone for three and a half days. And when I say three and a half days, I mean, in chunks of a, a couple hours per mm-hmm. day, you know, and just to, to, to be just, Invited like that with open arms. I mean, I think that's d- unbelievable. You know, it's, it's a very special experience. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, we end our classes here um, by saying we have an improv saying, I've got your back. And I saw that you had it written on like the the sign when you walk in here. Um, and I think to come somewhere and be like, I don't, I have this thing I'm an expert in and that's all I know. We don't know where we're going. We don't know who we're going to meet. We don't know how people are going to feel about the work that we're doing there's so much tr- – it's kind of like doing a huge trust fall mm-hmm. into the country and just to have everyone that we've met be like, we've got you. You're okay. Here you are. And to have them share their work. Everyone I meet, I feel like they're like, oh, yeah, I'm making a movie. I would love for you to watch it. Mm-hmm. Hey, I have this um, YouTube video uh, channel. I would love for you to be a part of it. Can I take your picture? Can we? Can I run a joke past you? There's like a huge taking care of us but also opening up that is really inspiring um, and people keep being like, and also eat this instead of this. Yes. And that is like the biggest, like, thank you so much. And that has been a big learning curve of like, oh yeah, listen, when someone tells you what to order, mm-hmm. order what they've told you to did order. you get the fried chicken? We did. Yes, we did. Uh, it's so good. It's and the so good. fish. And we had a Some shrimp experience. too, yeah. yeah. I mean, good. we've got two harsh critics. Mo was born in Georgia. I was born in North Carolina and both of us had some banana pudding last night yeah. that was mm-hmm. dynamite. It was good. really good, yeah. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've noticed this again because I, I, I grew up in between, you know, the States and, 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 and Saudi and you kind of learn early on that Americans over there, you know, it's a different culture than here. And it's like, it's it's more conservative when it comes to your, you know, personal life. Mm-hmm. So it's like not anybody gets to go to your home. Not anybody gets to know your family. Here, it's the opposite, you know, where it's like somebody's on the street and it's like, hey, you can, you can come in and you can, that's part of like the Arabic hospitality where it's like anybody in need, you have to take care of them. Yeah. That's your job, you know? And and if you have whatever you have, the best things you're gonna give it to that person. It's like the best food, you know, the best bed, uh, you, you know, the stuff. So it's, it's, it's embedded into the culture and culture changed through through time, but still this, this type of hospitality, especially when we know somebody's coming from a different, you know, place. This is, you're a guest, you're a visitor then we have to take care of you. And the more you go into, you know, small villages and, and towns and stuff, the more hospitable it becomes. Oh. It's almost like people from Saudi Arabia are just like born improvisers, to be honest, because <laughs> what you said, you could have just put that those exact sentences in an improv workshop. You give, you want to give your new partner the best gift you are able to do, right? You want to take yeah. care of someone who needs the help, right? Like, I think it's the same way in improv, right? You only look as good as if everybody's having fun, right? If one person looks like they're in their head, the whole team is, you know, going to end up being that way a little bit, right? So if you see somebody that's kind of having a tough time, invite them in, give them a gift to help them flourish. I mean, that's, yeah, it's just exactly what we teach. And this is something that people who don't know or don't know, don't know comedy or not into improv and stuff don't know, they don't get. And sometimes I'm like in a friend, friend setting or family setting and I set up somebody for a joke. To make it's going to make fun of me, but it's like I'm setting you up for a joke. When people get the hint yeah. and use it and make everybody laugh, it's the best feeling in the world mm-hmm. when you set up somebody mm-hmm. else. But the problem is sometimes it's like people don't get it, and it's like, why are you saying this? <laughs> yeah. Why are you doing this? But it's like when you're amongst other comedians, it's 
is just amazing when you give a joke to somebody else, you know? Yeah, that feeling of generosity of like, no, 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 you take it. I was saying when we left Riyadh, and I'll, I'll say it again when we leave here, just like it's transformed the way being a host and really taking care of someone. I feel like I will approach any guest who comes into Chicago, watch out. Uh, I'm going to shower you with food and travel and like- Just take you to the best places or favorite places. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But I, I think you're right that that starts, that also happens with the work and it happens with jokes of like, yeah, take it. I don't need it. I'm a comedy making machine. You totally take this joke. Yeah, I love that character. Here's an idea for that character. I don't need it. I have a million- uh, this could be a million things. I'm more than just one idea or one character or one scenario. Um, and I think you're right. To get a group of comedians together all playing together is just the most joyful thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's totally different and, and it just gives you life. I feel it's like it, 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 it makes whatever it is that we're trying to do, if we're all laughing, if we're all having a good time, it just makes it a lot better. And one of the things is like, because a lot of people also feel like if people are laughing at me that, you know, it's kind of degrading at some point, but I feel like when we're all laughing together and I'm, you know, making fun of myself, I don't know about you guys, but I feel, you know, relieved. I feel lighter. I feel like it's like, you know what? So what? I feel like a lot of times, you know, writing comedy is very therapeutic for me in that way. Like, you know, if, if. If I'm mad about something or if, if something kind of bothers me, to, just to be able to satirize that and then make something good out of that is a very good feeling, you know, and then to be able to put it in front of people and see them laugh so you know they feel the same way, then you're like, well, wow, now like we do think alike, you know, and like now you're laughing at something that I just created and it was based out of something that like maybe initially started some sort of sad or, you know, some sort of sadness or, or worry came from or sort of anxiety, something like that. So being able to get that on paper or improvise that and then connect with the audience members, I, it's, yeah, it's amazing. So what is something that you feel, and this is a question for like all of you. So what is something that you feel anybody who wants to get into improv should have in mind before they get into improv? Just have an open mind would be an open mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think take those preconceived notions and kind of throw them out the window a little bit. A lot of times people will come to classes and say, Hey, you know, when do we get to do this style of comedy or, you know, when do we get to push the envelope and that kind of thing? And I'm like, Hey, why don't we just take a step back and build something together? Learn that, you know, comedy, I think a lot of people have this idea that you have to kind of make fun of something for it to be funny. And I think it's second city and just the improv in general, that's not the case, right? Like we build things together. We use the rules of call of, of comedy, uh, to in the theory of comedy to as a backbone for us. And I think that's a, the first important, really important message that I always like to push. I love that. Yeah. I think that's really, really well said. And I would say, you know, improvisation is one of the few places where you get to go and you get to learn by doing it and the stakes feel high, but they could not matter less. Um, so I would say going in, being willing to just try. Mm-hmm. And if you try and you rock it out, you look amazing. You're a genius. And if you try and you fail, it is so funny. And that's is exactly what we're here to do. So as long as you're trying, you can't go wrong. And that's all you have to really be prepared to do. My first improv teacher said that we're not learning how to do improv. We're learning how to play. 
So if you come into the room with a playful mindset, I think it's going to be a hundred times easier than worrying about how to learn to do something. We're just relearning what we did as kids. So, Yeah, I feel I feel that like when we were kids, it was a little bit more free. Oh, yeah. And yes. you can do whatever you want. And then you're indoctrinated into, yeah. <laughs> yes. you know, building those walls that you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Um, and, and not be funny. And, yes. and Yeah. And worry about everything. And uh, uh, yeah, I use the improv skills with my niece. Uh, we got together a couple of years ago and just like had like a five minute conversation in gibberish. And like my parents and my brother and sister were like kind of just staring at us. She was just like, she's like, like a full cover. And she was like in it. And I was like, great. We're just having a conversation. And she was like, Therefore, it was not weird. It was fun for her. We just had a great time. So that was funny. Oh, one time we were in uh, my best friend from high school and myself. We were in San Francisco taking like a, a puppetry class. Uh, he was just there with me at, for moral support, and he needed a break from work. So I was like, you know what? I'll take that class with you. So we went there, and we we're taking the class. And then one day we went to lunch. I think we went to the Cheesecake Factory. Anyway, so we're sitting there. And we're talking, and so we're talking a little bit of English, a little bit of Arabic. We usually mix it. And they were talking about how funny would it be if we had, like, two chicken puppets, and then they would talk with each other in chicken, and but, but people would understand. Yeah. And we started, like, just riffing off of it. It's like, and suddenly we stop, and we look around, and all the tables are looking yes. at us because we're speaking, in, you know, a little bit of English, a little bit of Arabic, and now we started to turn into chicken. <laughs> And it was like, and we just broke out laughing. It's like, mm-hmm. we just realized how funny that would look from every other perspective but ours because mm-hmm. we were doing exactly the same thing. We're trying to see, can we understand each other yeah. when we're talking in gibberish or chicken in this mm-hmm. particular instance? But it was just so funny. I mean, just like when you when you have no care in the world, just do whatever. Something yeah. really special about seeing two full-grown men talking in <laughs> gibberish yes. chicken language and not judging themselves. Yeah. Oh, yes. Right? Like, oh, yes. I think that's awesome. Well, and you were saying, like, again, at the beginning of our conversation, which now feels like we're all good friends, um, <laughs> but how easy it is to compare yourself to other people, and especially in the society that's like, this is the perfect job to have, and this is the perfect car to drive, and this is the perfect way for your family to look. But you were, you said, and you're so right, that that doesn't mean you're happy. Like, so often we hold ourselves up to do this, like, the standard of perfection, and we're miserable. Mm-hmm. And I think having those moments where you're like, I think we as a world are like, I want to be the guy who's clucking like a chicken at that mm-hmm. table mm-hmm. and teaching people how to do that and to say like, nope, that's not an either or. You can totally have those friends and those scenarios and those spaces where you get to really connect with someone I think is so special. And I think that we as a world really want that right now. And I think it's important for people to understand this because even I mean, at the beginning, maybe people won't accept you and will be like taken off of whatever it is that you're trying to do as a comedian. But it's like once you you own it and you start doing it, people will get used to it. That's what I've noticed with my family. It's like before it was, there was, you know, very little tolerance for nonsense when it comes to comedy. And then it just started to grow because it's like, ah, that that's Amar, you know, he's, he's going to do that. And eventually they start, you know, laughing. And it's like, and I did that with my dad where like, every other time I, I like do some stupid dad joke <laughs> and like you know play on words and sometimes he just looks at me funny sometimes you know he 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 curses at me or something 
But now it, it started to become where he starts repeating that same joke over and over and over again mm-hmm. to other people. And my sister, the other day she calls me, it's like, what did you do? It's like, well, I don't know, what did I do? It's like, dad keeps saying that stupid joke over and over and over again <laughs> to everybody. It's like, we have guests over and he keeps repeating that, you know, uh, wordplay joke. And it's a stupid joke. It's a stupid joke. It's a word, it's an Arabic word that we you say when you tell people, we were happy to have you. Uh-huh. And the word with the word in Arabic is anastuna, okay? So it sounds like tuna at the end. Mm-hmm. So one time my dad said it, it's like we had guests over and he said anastuna, which means like, you know, we, we were very happy to have you. And I was like, anastuna or anas chicken? <laughs> you know? and, and he looked at me funny and didn't react to it. <laughs> but apparently it broke through because he's been using it for like two, three weeks now. Uh, amazing. Which yeah, it was amazing. It's like, but it's like I'm happy. I'm happy. And then my son was staying because he's going to college here in Jeddah. We live in a different city, and and he's staying over at my parents. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, granddad is still using that joke. So it's once you accept yourself and you own who you are. I think everybody has no other option than just accepting you. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about people who likes you, people who loves you. Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. If yeah. the people don't know you, that's that's a different story. But I think it also, if when you're comfortable when in your own skin, people feel that. Always. I mean, confidence sells everything, right? I, I always say, like, I'll buy anything that you're selling to me if you do it with confidence, like whatever it is, right? And I think that doesn't just go for improv, obviously, but the, just life in general, right? Like, you see someone who's confident, that's going to make me feel more confident, too, because I'm like, oh, that person knows what they're doing. <laughs> they look comfortable. Let me try to get on that level. Let me pick their brain, see what they're doing right here. So one piece of advice that you feel like anybody who wants to get into comedy have to know, what would you tell them? I would tell them to let go. I think sometimes we can, uh, you're going to say something and you're going to immediately think of all the things you also could have said. And I would say, uh, first time, not last time, know that you're always going to get up and do it again and again and again. So not to get too hung up on that. Whatever that first time is, it's just your entryway into a whole new way of life. Yeah. I think just, you know, being open and just enjoying the ride. I think would be something that I would say, like, you know, you hear when you start classes, I remember hearing something like uh, Tina Fey was talking about, oh, some of my favorite moments were after a writing six show, which is a writing program, you have your show like lugging our props across the street in the snow to the Old Town Ale House, which is a bar across the street where, you know, Second City comedians have been going for decades, right? And how those were some of her best moments, right? And I think like, I remember hearing that and being like, oh yeah, easy to say that when you're on SNL and you got 30 <laughs> Rock going and stuff like that. But to, I mean, to be honest, I look back at those early shows where like we were cutting our teeth and like truly some of the best times of my life, you know, it's just, you, you build relationships there and like being able to slow down and enjoy the ride, just like being able to slow down and build a scene, kind of, they go hand in hand. I would say figure out what you care about and make comedy about that. I have a friend who's really into like bugs and animals and a lot of his comedy is about bugs and animals. (laughs) And it's great because it's authentic to him. So I think once you figure out like what's important or what you want to talk about. Everything else is easier once you like figure that out. So try things at least once. And if it doesn't work, let it go. And if it does work, keep on pushing. So That's great advice. And we have something that our friend wants to say on the episode also. 
Hello. Hi. For folks listening, I'm Dan Buckman. I'm the cultural attache at the U.S. Consulate. And we're just so excited about this program, uh, The History of Second City, which uh, Jessica sort of got into, but is, you know, the story of immigrants in America and speaking across boundaries. It was, you know, at an old Chicago Hull House where immigrant communities assimilated into the United States that Second City got started through theater games where folks who didn't have a shared language worked together. Uh, And Viola Spolin, who invented many of those games, was the daughter of immigrants, as am I, and as are so many Americans. And so there's just nothing more American than Second City. And we at the consulate are so proud when we can bring in Folks like these, uh, like Jessica, like Mo, like Andrew, who are talented and who share their experiences with Saudis here across the country. And it's one of the things, right? Our job, we build bridges to strengthen relationships and improv when you're there in a scene with a partner and at your most vulnerable that's how you build those relationships. That's how you build those bridges. And that's why we're really excited. And so my obligatory plug is that folks can follow us at USConGenJetta on Insta. And I would welcome anyone who wants to engage with us. We bring awesome Americans here and we also take incredible Saudis to the United States so they can see our country for themselves. We have education advising services, exchange programs, anyone who's interested in engaging more with incredible Americans, who's interested in perfecting their craft, maybe even going to Chicago and studying improv. And try pizza. And trying pizza. Um, I'm a New Yorker, so that entire conversation got me very mad. Um, I, I said I like New York pizza, we, I which I appreciate. Yes. We all I like New York pizza. That. I, just, I, I just don't want to give Deep Dish any airtime. Um, okay. That's right. the thing that really, you know, did it for me, but that's okay. 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 Thank you very much for the plug, and I'm sure everybody's going to take you up on that offer. For everybody else, how can people get a hold of you if you have a social media account? Yeah, I guess you can follow me on Instagram. It's Momosa Peach, so M-O-M-O-S-A Peach. That's where you'll find me for shows and things. You can check out my life there. Now I'm realizing on this trip that I need to start posting more. So you can find me at Andrew McRib, just like the sandwich at McDonald's. Andrew McRib on Instagram. Nice. And I'm my first initial and my last name, J-M-I-T-O-L-O on Instagram. My brother did say once that I was a waste of a follow, uh, but I will also... (laughs) (laughs) But I'm posting a lot more now that I'm here, and that'll probably be kept up as we go back to the States. (laughs) Nobody's a waste (laughs) as a follow, but that is funny. Thank you. Thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate it, and I hope our listeners would... um, find something that they would learn from this episode that's a wrap 